Welcome to today's reading of uh, our big book on Fernando Alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open it with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve the common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. Amen. Let's go ahead and say the uh, set-aside prayer, please. Um, God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I, I think I know about my fellow man, myself, and about these 12 steps for a fresh new revelation in you, my fellow man, myself, and this program, so I can be useful to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and start our reading on top of page 24, please. I'll read a couple of paragraphs, and then Rick will do the same. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower practically comes non-existence. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequences that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't, oh, I'm sorry. That's your part. Well, he'll be feeling himself in the most casual way. He won't burn me this time. So here's a, perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have I begun to drink in some nonchalant way and after a third or fourth pound on the bar stayed to ourselves? How do I ever get started again? Uh, only have that thought supplanted by, well, some of the six drink or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thing is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he's probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, a guy will probably insane. The stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but with the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations so many of us want to stop, cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings which the process requires for a successful consummation, but we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of, it, of existence of which we have not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. 
the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we can never do for ourselves. If you're a seriously alcoholic, you believe there's no middle of the road solution. We're in a position where life is becoming impossible. And if we, ha if we had to pass through a region of which there is no return through given aid, we've got two alternatives. One is to go to the bitter end, blind out the consciousness of an intolerable situation the best as we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we obviously wanted to, and we're willing to make the effort. Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-illusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run right, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we cannot live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that they're after drama of life. God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. And he is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. This concept was a keystone in a new and triumphant arch, which we passed through freedom. When we sincerely, where am I at? You're right. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves our little plans and designs, more and more, we became interested in seeing where we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of its presence, we began to lose our fear today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our Maker, as we understood Him, God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me, and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready. When ready, we say something like this by, by, to my Creator. I am now willing that He should have all of me, good and bad. I pray now that you remove me from every single defect of character that I stand in my way of my usefulness. And through all, and 
and you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as, as I go out there and do your bidding. Amen. We've now completed step seven. Amen. Page 86, please. On Awakening. 86. Please. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God for His direction of thinking, especially ask Him to divorce us from self pity, dishonest, and self seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties as with insurance. For after all, God gives brains to use. Our thought life has been placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration. We ask God for an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption with all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer that will show throughout the day what our next step is to be. That is given whatever we needed to take care of such problems. We especially ask for freedom of self-will and careful to make no requests for ourselves only. But we may ask for ourselves, however, if others to be helped, we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us waste a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. Please see why. The circumstances warrant we asked our wives or friends to join us in meditation if we belong to a religious domination which requires definite morning devotion. We attend that also. If not, members of religious bodies, we sometimes uh, select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the health of the principles that we have been discussing. There are many helpful books. Just as these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We don't tire so easily for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. Turn to page 416, please. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at that time. And that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had. But I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. 
there was a certain sense of security in the familiar. Shakespeare said all the world's a stage and all the men women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was able to always able to see flaws in every person, every situation. And I always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection, just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bad of bad in the best of us, that we are children of God. And we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best. And just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Except there's been the answer to my marital problem. <clears throat> it's, it's as through AA, it gives me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years prior to our marriage. She was a shy, sprouting adolescent, but I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, that get pretty easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was rather that I had a mind's touch, which turns everything into gold, a magnified mind that can magnify on whatever it focuses on. Over the years, as I thought about Max and her good qualities grew and grew. And we married and all these qualities became more apparent to me. And we were happier and happier. But as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her, her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, 
the more they grew and multiplied. Every every defect. I, I pointed out to her, it became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was definitely she reduced a little bit more in nowhere. The more I drank, the more she, the more she wilted. Uh, let's go to uh, page 420, please. Um, perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really, how important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety, and when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to Him. However, it turns out, that's God's will for me. Pass. I must keep my magic mind by mind on my acceptance and not my expectations, for my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Thank God for AA. Let's go to page of 85, please. It is easy. 85? Uh-huh. And go ahead and do those two paragraphs, please. page 100 both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress if you persist remarkable things will happen when we look back we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in god's hands were better than anything we could have planned follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a wonderful world no matter what your present circumstance then we'll go to page 83. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the serenity, and we will know peace, no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of useless and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. 
our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations with used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. Page, uh, page 43, please. Take us home. Once more, the alcoholic who at certain times has no effect on his mental defense against or strength. Except for a fewer cases, neither nor any other human being can provide such a defense. This defense must come from a higher power. D.N. Amen. Thank you so much for helping me read. Get me fired up for today. Uh, let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. All right, take care, everyone. Uh, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, then, <sighs> Thank you for coming to today's workshop of Lockhart Anonymous. We have Mark Houston for about 15 minutes illustrating some key points about the fourth dimension of existence. Uh, it's beautifully said, and I love the... Uh, the camaraderie, the effectiveness, and the wisdom that AA has for us, that our family has. But you know, we're, we're three billion, excuse me, three million strong of networking. Fabulous, fabulous network, you know, working on the things that kills a human being. <clears throat> Pride, ego, selfishness, uh, not knowing God. In the 12-step program, <clears throat> it's not about drinking. It's not about our, our deficiencies, but it's about contacting a higher power at a higher level. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and open with prayer before we listen to Mark Houston, which is only about 15 minutes. <clears throat> he calls it Steel on Steel, Fourth Dimension of Existence. Cool title, isn't it? This was published back in October 14, 2012. Let's pray. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. <clears throat> Here's Mark. And do I recommend somebody do Steel on Steel? My experience is, Steel on Steel, for those of you who don't know, where I, I was going to talk about this later on, and, and we will go into it more detail. Steel on Steel is basically like a fifth step. It's you getting together and you have spiritual commitment with each other to pull each other towards God. Right? Which means, for me, my experience is, you need to have a relationship with God. And so until you've done inventory, you don't have a relationship with God. So I like to tell people that if you want to do steel on steel, finish your amends. Get through the ninth step and go do it. I've seen people that are almost done with their amends who are able to start steel on steel, although it's few and far between. 
Guys that are still carrying guilt and remorse of the harms and they haven't cleaned it up, their ego will use that and they'll get into steel on steel and next thing you know, it's three years later and they still haven't finished up the last three amends. Finish the amends and then jump into steel on steel and it's like doing a regular inventory on a regular basis. At least that's my experience. What's yours with that one? Uh, it's, uh, it's the very same. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. Um, I'll share a little bit about that right now, I guess. Why not? Um, when I got down to Kerrville, Texas in 91, 92, I guess, uh, and Chris can tell you this, um, I guess I'd been down there about two years, and I got very, very clear that my self-delusion and sobriety had almost killed me. And I also got very clear that the idea of one man, say a sponsor, being able to help me with that uh, was placing a burden on someone that they I had no business placing. So, uh, you know, I was doing some 11-step reading uh, one night, and uh, I like to read Proverbs. I like stories, I, you know, and, and Proverbs is stories. But So I'm reading Proverbs, and Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And uh, man, that, that, that wouldn't leave me. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to do something with that. So I got a hold of Chris and another gentleman I sponsor, uh, Dale, and another man, uh, uh, Dan, and uh, trying to think of who else. Me, see me, there's one other one. Oh, yeah, the gentleman at that time who had some of the longest sobriety in that town, uh, who incidentally, after a period of time, left Steel and Steel because his ego could not handle it. He could not handle the considerations that he was posed by somebody who was much younger in sobriety than him. <laughs> and so uh, we had the first meeting, and uh, basically, uh, here's the format that we utilize. We like to open with some meditation. Um, today I have a two-page uh, form that I use, and uh, we use timers. One of the things that, that I've learned, again, I guess this is about simplicity, but um, I'm a bullet person. And uh, alcoholics, I, I can always tell when an alcoholic is, is going to justify selfishness because before they ever get to what it is they're going to tell me, they, they go through a 15-minute explanation laying out the nine-course dinner. And then they tell me what I'm going to eat, and I, that really makes me gun-shy. So in Steel on Steel, we use a timer, and you only get 10 minutes, and we start out in... And currently what we do right now is I talk about, first of all, where am I exactly with the circle and triangle? How many meetings have I gone to? Right now I'm meeting every two weeks uh, with two men. How many meetings have I gone to in the last 14 days? In the last 14 days, this is back to discipline is the horse I ride. How many morning prayers did I do? How many morning meditations? How long were these meditations? Um, how many evening reviews did I do? Uh, am I doing a written evening review? How many evening meditations did I do? What was the length of those? Um, where are each of the people I sponsor in the steps? Uh, am I accountable as a sponsor? Am I accountable to someone? Specifically, what step am I on? Um, and then it goes on. Once, once they're done asking questions about the strict disciplines of 10, 11, and 12, then it goes on to say, uh, are you having any problems in relationships, i.e., work, co-workers, AA, etc.? Uh, uh, then it says, uh, what's going on in your significant other relationship? Uh, then it gets into money. Are you planning to spend any money over $200? Uh, 
we threw that in there right now because two of the uh, men that I'm doing this with have unfinished financial amends. So right now they both have everything they need. So if they are, they, I got them to agree that before they'll ever spend any sum of money over 200, they'll call the other two men and seek counsel because what that means is since they still owe amends, they would be once again stealing from these same people they've already stolen from once. And, and they're, you know, so that's in there. Are you planning any purchases over $200? Um, see, I can see some of you already going, who wants that kind of accountability, right? Um, in there is your physical health. What's going on with your physical health? Uh, and we talk about that. Uh, when I started Steel on Steel, uh, um, I weighed probably about 250 pounds. I had great medical insurance and I hadn't had a physical in probably 10 years. Um, I mean, it was unbelievable to us. And so we begin to ask these questions. And uh, I'm here to tell you as a result of Steel and Steel, I get yearly physicals every year, dermatologist. Uh, I take good care of myself in, in that area with the exception of smoking. Um, so the physical health piece is on there. What are you doing with that? Uh, then we like to work with the definition of honesty. Say what you do, do what you say. How you been doing with that? Say what you do, do what you say. See, And you take a look at that every area of your life. Are you getting to work on time, etc. cetera? Um, then the last question on the form that we use is, do you keep your word? And then we've got some little reminders. Use the word consider, uh, done in love, um, that kind of stuff. Then what happens is, um, uh, I shut the timer off, I pull out a notebook, and those two men, based on everything that I've shared, will ask me to consider some things, see? Uh, I'll give you an example um, of some of, some of the uh, considerations. One that they gave me about a month ago is they wanted me to consider a lot less travel and a lot more involvement in AA where I live. So I write that down, consideration. And of course, I'm sober much longer than both these guys, so I have to look at them and thank them. <laughs> because our agreement is you cannot defend because the ego wants to defend. Uh, what else did they ask me to uh, consider? Uh, they asked me to consider that maybe I was working uh, with too many people, that I was placing too much of a burden on myself with my, with my career and trying to work out and do this and do that and do that. So I'm writing these considerations down. Uh, when, when we're done with that, then what I did is for uh, the next two weeks, I took those considerations into prayer and meditation. And uh, I can tell you that I made some decisions off that. That very next week, I went to five meetings. See, steel and steel allows me to defeat my ego and use it to my benefit. If you all think I'm showing up at steel and steel with two guys with less sobriety, and, and they're going to confront me again about not having enough meetings in my own hometown, you are wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go to that meeting even if I don't want to be there. See, that's how steel and steel can benefit. But I'll tell you off that already, uh, I did cancel a bunch of stuff. Uh, I can't, steel and steel is one of the most important practices I've ever had in my life. And I've had it pretty well consistently since about 1994. That kind of accountability, unbeknownst to me, where you got to understand if, if you do what I'm talking about, there isn't any secrets in your life, are there? And, and they're asking you to consider things. And really, over the years, what it did is uh, it opened, it just totally opened up my ego, if you will. But most alcoholics, when they hear about this format, they don't want anything to do with it because 
we lead secret lives. Financial, you know, you, you name it. And we don't, we don't want that kind of accountability. Uh, my self-delusion, my unwillingness to face that kind of accountability, I told you where it got me in 10 years. Uh, I love that kind of accountability. I love that kind of, kind of discipline. Now understand something else. We do steal and steal uh, from an avenue of love. Now, I'm not here to try and tell anyone what they had to do with their life. By virtue of self-delusion, meaning I fall asleep dreaming I'm awake, <laughs> steal and steal is about, are you asleep to this? See? I was asleep to the idea that as you begin to get older in your life, it's probably a good idea to go get a yearly physical so that by the time you find out you have cancer, your whole body's not full of it. Just little simple things like that that I was asleep to, right? So that's what we do. Like we currently uh, uh, meet uh, every uh, two weeks. Um, but as you can see, it covers every area of my life. Now, I, I, there's a strange thing about this. Uh, is Surprisingly enough, the first half of this form that I like to use is all the things that we need to do is stay in fit spiritual condition, right? Now, strangely enough, uh, when I report and I'm doing all those things, the second half of my life, which is the, I'm in the world to play the role that God has assigned, it seems very clean and very smooth and very peaceful. Surprisingly enough, when the first half has a bunch of holes in it, like I only meditated two times last week, I went to one meeting, uh, I'm not sure what step I'm on, I'm not working with anyone, it is incredible what the bottom half looks like, meaning your job and relationships and physical health. And so. When, when I meet with, with the men that I work with, and, and I do that fairly religiously, they always bring that form with them. And they know me well enough. If they got a bunch of holes in the top half, I will not talk to them about the bottom half. Don't talk to me about your relationship with your girlfriend when you've been unwilling to do the disciplines of 10 to 11 for a week. Get out of my house. See? Get out of my house. I'm not going to talk about it. It's just dribble. It's a waste of time. See? Go on. Just get away from me. I don't want what you... Get out of here. See? Because what's going to happen as a result of not doing the disciplines, then what have they taken into that area of their life? Their selfishness and their self-will. So what they're going to report back is, well, we had this big fight, this blow-up, my employer's all pissed off, and I haven't been feeling good physically, and I'm lethargic, and I go, oh, let's see, no prayer, no meditation, any, any, any. gee, I wonder if there's any connection here, right? And, and so, at any rate... Uh, that's what steel and steel is. That's how I, that's how I use it. Um, I, again, I, I will tell you, it's one of the best disciplines I've ever brought into my life. Uh, it has helped me uh, beyond belief. I mean, I mean Mr. Chris, uh, who you'll hear tonight, uh, will tell you he, he and I were involved in that for years. And uh, you develop a closeness, a caring, a compassion. Um, uh, see, you know, Dave brought up something. And this is so important. Here's these people in his group watching him drift off into la-la land that he could drink behind and nobody's saying anything to him. You know, and, and Steel and Steel ultimately for me became a vehicle in which men that I cared about and loved about deeply, uh, areas in which they would fall asleep, think they were dreaming, they were awake, I could bring that to their attention. I did that in the spirit of love. I didn't do it in the spirit of judgment. I didn't do it, you know, in, in anything else. So uh, that's a little bit about about steel on steel. Uh, 
I think uh, Dave, I think, brought some forms, uh, which are pretty similar to the ones I have and, and I use for it. Uh, I can tell you from my experience, if you get more than about four people, it's it's just about too many. It, it may, may take too long, but and I'll be happy to answer any other questions uh, about that um, uh, during the course of the weekend. And I guess we um, are just about ready to eat dinner. So then tonight, uh, you're going to get the Chris R. Show. Um, I guess we're going to break for a couple hours, if I understand that, and meet back here at 7. Okay. Mark, I got just one more thing to add to Steel on Steel since we're talking about it. Steel on Steel, when I first started it, I was getting, I, I, I chose three people to do it with. There's a magic of the number of four. I've done it in different size groups. There's a magic of four. Don't ask me what it is, it's just my experience. A three, oftentimes you'll get a consideration where you'll say this, they'll say, one guy will say, well, is it possible that you need to do this? And the other guy will say, is it possible you need to do that? And they're diametrically opposed. So who's gonna break the tie? If two guys are saying, is it possible over here? One guy's saying, is it possible over here? Chances are you're hearing the voice of God and you kind of get an idea where you need to go. So there's a metric of the number of four. S second item, don't be surprised if you change. Do not attempt steel on steel if you don't want to change. Because remember, God's grace lasts only as long as ignorance. They will show it to you. We call them IIP questions. Everything's in the form of, is it possible? IIP, colon. Boom. Is it possible that you need to look at this? Is it possible that? You get an unlimited amount of time to report back to the group on the questions they gave you last time. Well, you asked me about this, and here's what I did. You asked me about that, and here's what I did. And then I asked the question, is there anything I didn't cover that you want to hear about from last time I shared? Then we hacked the clock, and you got 10 minutes. The reason for the 10 minutes is absolutely critical, because in 10 minutes, your ego doesn't have the opportunity to set up a story to make you look a certain way. You've got to put the truth on the table, and you've got to put it on the table right now. And the last thing is, steel on steel is about commitment. Don't come to my steel on steel group with the same problem month after month after month after month. It's about change, you know? Um, and there are no holds barred. Every door is open. We talk about sex, specifically, how is it going on in your life? We talk about the internet. We talk about masturbation if it's going on. We talk about the dirty, nasty deeds that are going on. How's the hairy eyeball? You're gonna be talking about that. Summertime, you're at the beach on vacation. Were you having a problem with that? You know, were you mentally undressing other women? What's going on in your life? We talk about every possible thing that can, co can come up on the table, and it's all open for discussion. When I first started my first Steel on Steel group, the wives of the guys that are in my Steel on Steel group were saying, wow, this is pretty cool. And all of a sudden, these guys started growing really fast, and it puts a lot of pressure inside a relationship when you start doing what's right, because now you're holding up the spiritual mirror, right? And next thing you know, the wives are... I'm not sure if I want this to continue, some of them. Some of the other ones, my wife begs me for Steel on Steel because she sees the benefits. If I miss a Steel on Steel meeting, she's like, when's the next meeting? And she'll arrange her whole schedule to open up a hall. I'll cover the kids. you got Steel on Steel right here, okay? She's, abs she's a, a tremendous support for Steel on Steel. Changed my life. Try it. But you got to want to change. All right? The forums are pretty specific. I give you, it's a whole meeting package. There's the reading that we intro with. There's a description of Steel on Steel, what Steel on Steel is about, what it's not about. Um, and then lastly, there's, a, uh, there's a, a reading that we do out of the big book, which is from page 62 forward, and it talks about why we're there and who, who the problem is and where do we get the power from. Something I just added to Steel on Steel, um, 
all of us happen to be Christian in our Steel on Steel group. At the end of our Steel on Steel now, we started to break bread together. You want a powerful spiritual experience? If you have something like that that's part of your religion, do it together as a group. We openly pray together. We pray for each other. We have prayer lists that go on for each other, for the problems that are in each other's lives. It's, it's dramatic the way it's affected my life and the things, the areas that it have changed. It's, I, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Now, it's not AA, but man, does it affect your AA. You want to really be, get sharp? It's like doing a fist step once a month. I happen to do it once a month because of schedules. I wish I could do it every, every two weeks. It just doesn't work in my life that way. Everybody that I chose for Steel on Steel in my group were all basically the same. We're all within about 10 years of each other age-wise. We're all married. We're all double-digit sobriety. We've all been going to couples meetings for a lot of years. I've been going to couples meetings in AA for over 15 years. Um, two of the three of us have kids. Uh, excuse me. Uh, three of, of the four of us have kids. One guy has since dropped out. So I'm now back in a situation where we have three of us in our steel and steel group. And as a group, we're trying to decide how we're going to handle that. Are we going to add somebody? What are we going to do? Right now, we're going with it and seeing how it goes. So it's, an, it's the ultimate challenge, you know. Uh, my sponsor used to, matter of fact, my home group. I used to have, belong to this group that had an unwritten motto. You think you're working the program? Show us your family and we'll tell you how well you're working the program. Steel on steel, we're really sharpening that up because you can't live in that state of disillusionment when you've got three other guys pulling you towards God. That's what it's all about. In the spirit of love, pulling each other shoulder to shoulder. Nobody's the sponsor, nobody's the sponsee, nobody's the guru, nobody's in charge except God. And that's what the deal's about. Let's go eat.
we you know we kicked it up a notch, and and, and uh, then you know it was probably a year after that that Marcus uh, you know announced that he was moving to Austin of all places. He was living in Dallas at the time, and and uh, I jumped right in you know and asked him if, you know if he was taking any sponsors, and, and it's been a, it's been an amazing thing. I want to take a second to thank the guys that allow me to sponsor. If the government.